This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey everyone, if you like this podcast, go behind the paywall to get privileged access to the smartest minds in finance. Join the Real Vision community and learn how to become a better investor. Visit realvision.com slash rvpod and use the promo code podcast10 to get 10% off our essential membership for the first year. And now to today's episode. You know, I love speaking to Sopnendu. He's a technologist. He understands fintech. He understands blockchain technology. And he's my go-to guy when it comes to really understanding how this is fitting in at sovereign level. And, and supranational level, and all of these systems like the BIS and how big governments are thinking about this technology. And we've had a horrific year in 2022. I want to get the, the kind of state of the union to see how he's thinking about things, where he sees things going, where the opportunities are. And I'm really interested in his recent trip to India, because that's something close to my heart as well. The world of crypto is an incredibly exciting journey that we're all going on together. We don't know where it's leading to, but we know it's going to be absolutely massive. Join me, Ral Pal, as I guide you on our adventure to discover just what this new world will look like. So, Nendu, fantastic to see you back. Oh, wonderful to be back to your studio talking to you. Uh, we missed a couple of in a month. You're trying to catch up with us uh, with you on the schedule. It's just wonderful to see you back again. Yeah, great. And there's a lot to catch up because it's a while since we spoke and you're always busy, always a pioneer, always doing incredible things. So what have you been up to? I'd love well, to hear. I know that's a very broad subject, but start uh, anywhere and no, we'll dig in. Uh, absolutely, because um, we're in interesting times. The whole crypto f- uh, fiasco, then com- comes this... Um, uh, massive uh, correction on the technology, broader landscape, jobs uh, getting getting cut, and um, and then same time uh, when I was in India, I was talking to you. Uh, my optimism of what technology can do just went 10x times what I saw in India. Uh, so so it's not bad when you balance out good news, bad news. Uh, and you think about how future will look like. We will we'll dig into India in a bit, but the how is the mood in, in Singapore? Because you know, you're at the forefront yourself, helping drive Singapore forward. And then, you know, crypto market has its massive correction. We've got the frauds and all of the things that we've seen in the past, but it's a function of the space still as it's early. And as you say, technology you know, is is going backwards in terms of not the technology itself, but in terms of the shares. How do how do your colleagues and the country? How does that feel about it? Are they they're long term players, and they're like, this is fine. You know, it's part, all part of it. You know, Raul, that's a that's a question. Now. It's a difficult question now because uh, uh, despite uh, you, when somebody thinks about technology, uh, ten, five years, ten years down the line. 
the risk of failure uh, from a public policy perspective uh, is quite, you know, it's quite um, expanded uh, in terms of how people perceive uh, uh, a public policy officer like me pursuing a certain technology stack because uh, it is okay for a private sector um, uh, to indulge in a, an experiment which could lead to billions of dollars being, uh, you know, being lost. Uh, but when it comes to public sector uh, technology policy, uh, picking up such technology uh, quite all early on, uh, quite uh, early in the game, has own risk. And uh, as you know, we have been experimenting with uh, a whole range of digital technology from digital asset tokenization to DLT network and uh, um, CBDCs. Uh, definitely a lot of questions being asked as you expect public to be asked, raising questions, concerns uh, on such technologies uh, future. Of course, the private, of course, the market itself uh, went through massive uh, turbulent times. And as a regulators, uh, we also also went through a, 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 a series of measures which we have to introduce uh, last year uh, to ensure consumers are not exposed to uh, such a risk. But still, uh, uh, it's, a, it's a challenge, I must say. Uh, and it is definitely, I will say, the setback. Um, and uh, from Singapore perspective, we continue to be focused on the experiment part of this journey. We continue to look at use cases which make sense to us. Uh, for example, uh, things like Project Mariana, which we uh, started last year to explore the use of such technology, this asset for automated market makers, uh, settling this assets uh, for uh, financial instruments. But, uh, but, but, but it's, it's challenging. I must say it's challenging. It's, it's not Although, that easy. To be fair, Singapore's done a good job. I mean, it's you've not you've your regulation mm. has held up well. The mm. you know the the exchanges you've overseen and the participants you've overseen, you know, yeah. you, it, you've it been good. good in your selection process and yeah. and how you've regulated. I think. Uh, but things like even even forget forget about uh, the the crypto market. Even things like uh, the uh, the Australian stock exchange upgrade uh, to the new technology which they had to stop a massive, uh, massive impact on the tech stack itself. Uh, so it's, it really uh, comes at a stage when you have both the financial instrument and underlying technology uh, getting into a lot of question mark. So, so this, this, I mean, I agree with you, it's a part of this whole journey and uh, Singapore will always try to keep itself ahead in this journey. Uh, we will continue to experiment. But definitely, I would admit it has it has put some some roadblocks, some uh, some thoughtful rethinking some of the strategies. But I don't think uh, we will abandon uh, this whole journey in this space. Uh, but uh, we will see how, how it goes. But definitely, we are still on track on some few of the projects I, I just mentioned. So, um, would you mind talking people through the Australian example? Because I think it was interesting because they were trying to pioneer and then basically said, you know, we can't do it. So what was, from your perspective, what was, what, what was that about? And I mean, Raul, I mean, I, I, I don't know the details of what went wrong, but if you read what comes up, is coming on the press, it, it was a long multi-year project and this, a lot of money was spent. 
And then there was a step back and saying, look, this is not a viable project. Uh, and uh, the tech stack which they chose uh, was not uh, able to execute the backend uh, efficiencies they're looking for. Well, there could be many uh, ways to process this uh, and especially uh, some learnings out there because if you are running a multi-year project, uh, one thing I have learned is that you pick your use, you, you take a use case and you split into the lowest possible logical um, blocks of, of functionality and you start delivering them in pieces and eventually you're going to stick it together. But when you bring the whole thing together and try to shift, it has its own challenges. I would say in hindsight, that could be one of the learning, but I'm not uh, exactly sure what went wrong beyond that broader thing, broader uh, statement that it was uh, not delivering to its uh, requirement and they had to leave the project uh, unfinished with millions of dollars being spent. And that did raise did a lot of question on the viability of the tech stack itself. Does blockchain really solves uh, some of the promise of uh, backend efficiencies uh, uh, which comes with it? Uh, but I don't think we should be blaming the technology per se because we got to think carefully. There could be external factors which drove to that conclusion rather than the technology itself. Uh, and it's worth studying and we and we will study that whole piece of uh, journey and try to learn from that. But uh, it has put significant uh, stress on corporates adopting uh, blockchain as part of that tech stack. Yeah, it st still feels to me that the hypothesis that the securities industry will move to blockchain over time just for settlement efficiencies, cash payment efficiencies, ownership efficiencies, seems to stand up, but maybe the technology is not fast enough, the throughput not, mm. you know, the TPS not high enough, there's some... No, that, that, absolutely, I'm not, Raul, um, I'm not saying in any, any way that uh, the technology has failed completely, uh, but, it, but this whole project does teach us some of the way we go about implementing things. We are pursuing in our project experiment called Project Mariana, the whole uh, settlement, uh, FX settlement for exchanging assets on the network. Well, that little project on its own seems to be making things more efficient. Now, when you scale it in production grade settlement process, we go to see that uh, what are the other ch tech challenges which comes with that. But that's a journey any tech stack has to go through uh, rather than putting a conclusion ahead of uh, ahead of that, that piece of trialing and checking and upgrading the tech stack. So anyway, uh, uh, what, I was, what I was trying to say that uh, that project was kind of a, had, had a huge expectation from the market that if it, it, if it was successful, it could have created a global benchmark of uh, how you move your uh, back-end security settlement infrastructure to this new tech stack. Uh, but that didn't happen. I'm sure um, all of us who are in this tech, tech stack journey will look at it and see where we can go with this. And so you think maybe the way forward is to be more specific and yes. smaller, more granular, yes, test that, prove it, expand, yes. as opposed yes. to try and build your whole tech stack in one go. Yes. I mean, if Raul, I mean, if then you can fail small. Forget about blockchain as a technology. Any project, when you do a huge 
single large chunk migration, the risk of failure is always there. It can be become very it can become very expensive. Uh, doesn't matter what tech stack you're using, it can also fail. So I think there's some foundational basic project management uh, learning out there. Uh, how, uh, what what can be used as a as a as a as a as a framework to implement uh, large tech upgrades. So what parts of DLT are you still experimenting with? We are still experimenting with the core tech stack, uh, settlement part, um, asset tokenization on the network. We're still on to those, those things. Uh, talk, talk, talk to me about the asset tokenization because, you know, a lot of people have talked about this for a long time. I first, when I first got into the space, I thought this is where it's going to go. It's not got there yet, but it's getting there. How, how are you seeing that space develop? So if you do a table and you think about fixed value and variable value, and you put all the possible uh, on, on, your, on, your, on your left side of the table uh, from, uh, from uh, tokenizing uh, currencies to tokenizing assets and uh, look, at, uh, look at what instrument is, is helping that whole process. I think there is this, there is this trend uh, where we can see that the focus on privately issued payment token definitely will see a huge pause. But when there is an effort to tokenize a reference ownership of an asset or natively issuing an asset on the blockchain network like a token, those two buckets which has got that uh, variable value uh, will see a progress because that's the only one which doesn't impact monetary policy. It doesn't impact uh, fin existing financial system. Uh, the only impact it has is making the existing asset ownership more efficient and the payment uh, process which goes with that more efficient. I think that safe boundaries of those two asset class does allow the, 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 all the technologists working in the space to narrow down and focus on that. So by virtue of that, that safe, the safe space, I see that's moving, that kind of moving forward with the technology we have today because people will step out uh, of uh, the, 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 the payment instrument part of the asset tokenization. They will shift to this reference, uh, reference ownership asset uh, experiments or, or even deployment. Now that lives that lives on the payment side, the CBDCs, uh, which we'll talk about, I guess, in our discussion. But I'm going to keep it separate. Exactly right. The settlement layer, I think, the CBDCs. I know this is probably contentious. Is probably a better way of doing it because it's the government on ramp and off ramp, and they feel comfortable with monetary policy and the control over that element. Yeah. And then everything else, yeah. you know, what you can use blockchain for gets interesting. Um, I, I have a feeling that I'm, I'm very closely watching NFTs mm. and not in the, you know, art collecting or community space, but the fact that this is a contract mm. that is recorded, transferable, and that there are many use cases that, even you know in your kind of remit of fintech 
that it feels that things like insurance contracts, mm. derivative contracts, and others mm. fit mm. well into that technology. Again, that's outside of the the, the currency element, but mm. just an efficient way of recording, transferring. How are you thinking of NFTs, or you just throw it all in as part of the same thing? NFTs for me, NFT, um, which which is which is the second bucket of that asset ownership, which is the natively issued tokens, uh, uh, is almost like. Uh, a company is issuing uh, equity directly into the blockchain network. And that piece of uh, code represents that asset ownership. So it has been kind of diluted by this whole um, uh, art collectibles and all this thing in the network. But assuming that piece of technology is now becoming, or in future will become a way people will uh, issue ownership uh, on their assets, uh, definitely it is promising. Uh, what we got to see whether by virtue of issuing on the network, does it make that whole process of ownership and transfer and settlement super efficient? Uh, on, on face of it, it looks, yes, uh, why not? Because the NFTs, at least from a tech stack perspective, seems to be efficient. Uh, you can buy and settle and and, and, and exchange NFTs super efficiently today on existing um, apps. So uh, what can we do uh, to move that, uh, that tech piece of technology and piece of process uh, to financial instrument? Uh, so that's, that's what I meant by the second bucket was actually in a way you can say NFTs uh, in, in current form. The, the issue which I think we got to answer there is uh, can existing payment infrastructure uh, uh, still interact with this NFT world, which lives and operates on the DLT network as a mechanism for settling payment on when you transfer NFT from A to B. Now, do you need a native uh, uh, coin of that network to facilitate this transfer of assets on the network? Now, uh, some of the answer uh, we, people are thinking about will CBDC form that role or a stable coin, let's say from so-called stable coin to well-regulated stable coin, will that uh, be the preferred financial instrument or payment instrument which will facilitate such network uh, uh, on that network for, for transferring the asset? So I think that's still a work in progress, but definitely at this point in time, I can say with all uh, certainty, the role of privately issued uh, uh, money is close to zero, uh, at least from a public policy perspective. When you talk uh, about privately, like private like money, to stable yeah, coin. Yeah, no, I, I think I still believe stablecoin is somewhere in the cusp of being a regulated uh, money, uh, which happens, which backed by well-regulated assets sitting in some custody or some asset, some trust bank. And I'm keeping stablecoin away from the pure Bitcoin uh, money. Uh, but the role of the Bitcoin type money being used to uh, buy and sell uh, such asset um, is, is, is questionable now. And how about things like Ethereum where you're renting the network by... I, know, know, the, the, I, I classify that as... A, I classify that as a utility token. Yeah. As long as these coins stay within the network and they do not contaminate the currencies 
I think it's okay. I think the challenge is when this 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 uh, coins has its life of its own, which goes outside the network and become a speculative asset. As long as you are buying Ethereum and this they're being used for driving application development, you know all the gas fee for doing your real work, it is okay. The challenge is what happens beyond that. I think that's where the issue has been till now. So let's dig into stable coins mm -hmm. and CBDCs. So obviously, people want regulated stable coins just because there's so much uncertainty around some of the stable coins out there. And you've been, you know, a huge driver behind the CBDC, uh, you know, global initiative. Mm -hmm. So catch us up with where you think everybody is with CBDCs, and then we'll use that as a stepping off point into India in a minute. Yes, sure, absolutely. Uh, well, CBDC, as you know, uh, we have this two clear-cut bucket. There's this uh, wholesale CBDC, uh, which is kind of a, uh, an efficiency uh, infrastructure uh, along with the payment infrastructure uh, for uh, for cross-border settlement. I think uh, N BIS uh, has done enough, many experiments, I would say, in many countries. In fact, uh, uh, most of the major mainstream uh, econ economy has have now experimented with the wholesale piece and they have put reports uh, and demonstrated successful a possible uh, future infrastructure which will run on wholesale CBDC, especially for cross-border payment settlement. Um, BIS has its own project uh, which they're looking at um, the whole uh, uh, multi-jurisdiction uh, uh, MCBDC uh, uh, kind of product uh, architecture. If multiple central bank have to participate uh, using CBDC as a way to uh, settle cross-border payments between different countries. Um, so that's where wholesale CBDC has gone. Uh, on the retail CBDC, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Sorry, just uh, one quick question about the wholesale. How far away do you think we are before we launch some global initial initiative so we can do this, you know, wholesale hmm. settlements and payments? I would, I would say from an experiment perspective, it has kind of everybody has run through that course. I think there is nothing left uh, in public space between central banks and technology and experiment where we got to do more experiment. I think that phase is done. Now, to implement a wholesale CBDC, you need uh, whole, a bunch of things to happen before that. And one of the things which has to happen is that to how do you connect the domestic payment infrastructure, the underlying hardware infrastructure between multiple countries. I think my sense is it will go through that process. Project Nexus, for example, which BIS has started, it talks about uh, how do we connect domestic payment rails. Back off, again, Singapore played uh, some role there because we connected uh, to Thailand, now to India, on, uh, is now is now waiting to get launched um, with Malaysia. So. First layer of this will be that Nexus kind of project where uh, you will see multiple jurisdiction connecting the domestic rails uh, so that money can be transferred from almost like a domestic payment transfer. And then when it comes to the settlement piece, there will be the second stage uh, where they will explore to deploy a wholesale CBDC as a form of 
settlement coin. But that will happen if the first one becomes uh, uh, becomes uh, uh, successful. So I, I so so I think uh, uh, that's where the journey is. The good news about wholesale CBDC Raul, is that the mainstream central bank are engaged in this process. BIS is engaged in the process. So there is this safety net of very thoughtful regulatory participant uh, who are making this go to the next step. So I would predict it should not be that far off to think uh, that you will see a production grade wholesale CBDC being deployed uh, across the border payment. And would it use multiple blockchains or is there a it will be, it will be multiple blockchain because by it will be i think the other central bankers we think about interoperability as a part of the principle uh, we will uh, mandate uh, as a collective wisdom that countries and can choose what what network they want to choose what technology they want to choose to tokenize those uh, coins uh, but it has to have the principle of interoperability as part of that design yeah, because if you're running on one blockchain, mm. which is a um, <clears throat> public blockchain, and somebody else mm. is running on some private yes. infrastructure, they yes. need, if not, we yes. don't have a settlement layer. We we got to have interoperability. I mean, part of the work uh, was done in, uh, and if you if if your if your users want to understand more, I would strongly um, um, your 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 viewers want to know. I would strongly recommend them to go to. Uh, uh, a website called Partior, uh, P-A-R-T-I-O-R, which is a joint venture of DBS, JP Morgan, and Temasek, which actually talks about a public infrastructure, uh, infrastructure market infrastructure, which allows such uh, uh, such kind of uh, uh, infrastructure to be built on. So, so there is this real uh, investment uh, uh, and development going in the space, uh, which is, makes it much more real than other things. And okay, let's move on to the private. So, no, so before that, uh, the retail CBDC. Yes, that's what I mean. The retail CBDC. Sorry, yes. I think that's that's interesting because almost uh, all central bank, including us, uh, we did not uh, see a need for retail CBDC because our domestic uh, payment system have become super efficient zero zero cost three clicks money is moving instantly there's no no real need uh, for a retail cbdc but i was in uh, india india launched their retail cbdc uh, we'll talk about it it's just impressive that that test they're doing on production it just blew my mind out that what can be done with that uh, so, so, yeah, talk, talk me through that what what is the difference right so it's very subtle like a payment system like UPI in India, or the or the payment system you've got in Singapore, but you're saying, "Wow, this whole CBDC retail yeah. blew me away." How? Why? What did it well, do? Well, the little story because I was I mean, I'm a Singaporean. <laughs> I was traveling to India, and uh, I have a bank account in India, so I requested um, uh, RBI and my the Indian bank where I have an account. For to and I want to participate in a closed group testing they have launched on the East, on the EUP thing. First thing, the when the moment it, I got into that app, it was a delightful app, and I was thinking uh, that uh, it's just a little bit of a uh, piece of uh, you know a cute piece of application. But when I started playing around, 
means my brain started racing around what can it do to, uh, in that space because what in that experiment it's almost like that I mean it is like they have taken the sovereign currency and they have tokenized that uh, issued uh, the e-rupee uh, through the bank as a distribu distributed uh, distributing channel so the banks have issued the app if you, you get into the app you take money from your bank account using the UPI rails in interesting they're using UPIs under unlike infrastructure UPI rail and you buy this uh, tokenized cash on your wallet now you would wonder what beyond that what can you do with that yeah because uh, UPI is so good yeah so good now because that uh, that that cash which is in your in your in your um, in your uh, wallet uh, it doesn't it becomes a payment process now now when i'm sending that money to you for example in that closed group uh, um, testing it is not going through some account debits anymore it is just a simple cash exchange happening between two of us it definitely brings down the underlying infrastructure cost especially for low value payments for the low value payments because now we are not debiting account you know settling in things pure cash to cash transfer so it's acting acting like notes and coins yes and in fact it has got a coin it's got a note um, it has got all the denomination and you can actually hold coins like a stack of coins and and i think they're still in the process of putting a whole set of use case and i just for i mean i was thinking forward looking for example if there is no internet and uh, you go to a remote place and you don't have access to internet you can't use upi rails to pay somebody and if you have money in your wallet uh, with those cash sitting there you can actually transfer to each other pay that bill at a merchant terminal using nfc uh, enable transfer well they have not done it now but i think there's a future plan to bring it part of that thinking so offline payments becomes a huge huge today off we must not dismiss the number of offline payments which happens in a large country like india now if this becomes an answer to that and i'm pretty sure if this process is as frictionless as i saw people will perhaps get out of holding paper notes get into this mode of this form factor and that could be many social reason it could be security it could be safety it could be uh, contingency especially in a in a where you are not sure of, about the infra, the internet infrastructure it could be very well um, some amount of anonymity if there is need for such value of tra value transfer it, it dramatically creates the market infrastructure you need to replace expensive risky paper note process and for a large country like india it takes india to the next layer of market infrastructure of payment processing because you just took billions of cash into this new tech tech stack and made it make made uh, uh, efficient useful relevant to those segment of population who still believe uh, uh, holding offline payment as the preferred mode of, tra of, of of transfer so 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 to me that's uh, and and who knows and i asked the question can can i buy nft using this 
tokenize cash? I think the the answer would be yes. Why not? Uh, this could be an answer to that uh, question that uh, can this operate on a network where where NFT can be used buying this e rupee? If there's an NFT in that in that market for uh, which can use e rupee as where to buy and sell this uh, this assets. So, what India showed has shown that it has taken a step forward, uh, putting a serious effort uh, in building an infrastructure uh, in this direction of retail CBDC. If a large country like India adopts this, it becomes a mainstream tech stack. And same thing China has done. I mean, I have not seen the Chinese uh, ERMB personally because uh, I wish I, I can I can I can go to China and see that. Uh, I, I what I can what I'm hearing they also have built a similar infrastructure. Could be a different model. I don't know. But what I'm seeing is two large market China India have taken a step forward in taking the tech components of the crypto world and now they're applying seriously to remove the last mile inefficiency in the payment space, which is cash. It's incredible. There's, um, you know, it's weird because when you get to the Western world, everyone's like privacy, how dare you do this? You know, I'm half Indian. I spend a lot of time there and people don't understand, you know, the scrumpled up rupee note system and... You know how middlemen get in the middle of this whole system was a was desperate for for overhaul. And if you ask an Indian, I was speaking to our CTO at Real Vision, who's also Indian, about what it's like being in India right now because he's he's moved back there. He's like, you know, the issue of privacy is very low down versus yes. access to money. Yes, I'm, access, you know, they're just it's a different. It, it, it's incredible that uh, the way UPI has impacted the lowest. Uh, uh, category of income segment of population, the QR payment, that whole interoperability, the whole uh, design where you don't need to depend on a bank app to move money. You can use Google Pay, Phone Pay. Uh, it's just, it has become a, a natural reaction. If I ask somebody who is driving a taxi or a vegetable vendor how you want to get paid, the response is Google Pay or beam pay, whatever they, they are comfortable with. Now imagine the same uh, vegetable vendor uh, and the food, roadside food stall uh, late in the night don't want to hold on to cash. And they now switch into this e-rupee. You have just dramatically gone down to the last mile of financial uh, risk management, uh, safety net, uh, uh, and and build that resiliency you want. I mean, we let me be be be. Uh, I mean, I would not say it's hypothetical anymore. Amount of dependence we have on internet to stay running to do our financial transactions is just incredibly high. Imagine we, we, there's a breakdown on 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 internet uh, and you can't access internet. I'm sure a lot of us will get stranded in some street, can't even do payments. Forget about. Uh, so, how does this system work? Is it Bluetooth or? I mean, how can I send give you money if I'm standing opposite you and we're chatting and I'm like, yeah. here's my two rupees I owe you? How do I send it to you? So, so, so I, my, well, they're not done in this uh, this particular uh, phase, but when I spoke to them, I think they're looking at uh, NF, NFC as a way to. Uh, so, we can actually hold uh, the two phone. Uh, we are holding offline uh, e rupee. We can just communicate. 
uh, and you don't need an internet. Uh, and it has got all all this. I mean, I, I was playing with this thing. I we switched off my internet. I I went to airplane mode, and I can see all my rupees uh, showing up <laughs> on the, on that particular uh, uh, wallet. Well, they're not done that uh, offline uh, piece yet, but I can see where it's going. I can see where it's going. I think China has done it, um, but I've not seen it myself. But I've heard China has done the offline payment also. But but Raul, what I'm trying to say. Whatever, whatever has happened to this technology in this crypto space, it has definitely triggered this. And if you, if if that didn't exist, this would not come. Let's be, let's 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 pay some respect to the <laughs> to the pioneers who created this journey on uh, tokenizing money uh, in this DLT infrastructure. They have triggered what we see now: the future of payment, especially um, low value. Uh, last mile cash intensive uh, sector and who knows this can also become a uh, interoperable uh, money uh, cross border uh, countries and multiple countries can come into some kind of bilateral relationship and say a multilateral relationship look today we bring dollar cash you bring uh, multi currency cash to different countries you have you go to the local market and exchange money maybe this is a way to do uh, some bit of cross border transfers so, so I yeah, maybe I, it's an applications layer on top. So, yeah, I'm a tourist, yeah. I come in with my Singapore dollars. Yes, I can flip them into rupees on an app. Yeah, yeah. It's done in yes. seconds. So that, but, but I think that that you can only think those those use case if you take the first step. India, China have taken that first step of doing it. I think that's uh, an encouraging. In fact, Singapore also has started. Uh, we have a project called Project Orchid, uh, but in a very limited use case. Mostly on the on the vouchers side, uh, but I think directionally there is this glimmer of hope that retail CBDC will find its path and relevance in large markets, and that will spill over to smaller market, and then it can become a bit of a global uh, form of money, which you will see um, becoming mainstream in years to come. Um, but again. Uh, I was just blown away by this by this amazing. It's uh, weird, as I said. Everybody I see, I just spoke to another friend today who just gone back to Mumbai for the first time in three years, and his jaw was open. He's like, I can't believe what's going on here. Yeah, he's like, he just came out of the UK. He's like, the UK feels like fifty <laughs> years in the past suddenly. But, and this is the role of a public good. How how a digital public good? I was in the G20. I went to India for a G20 meetings, and one of the the, the topic of my meeting was uh, the role of digital public good. If countries build highly resilient, interoperable, accessible digital public good, it can bring that amount of innovation in that on that infrastructure, and you leave to people's imagination what they can build on it. So there is this, Raul. I would, I would argue. I'll back to our original question in the in the in the space of DLT. There is a desperate. If I if I have to headline this discussion today, there is a need to find a digital public good in some form on a for a distributed ledger network uh, use case. Because if you think about payment process, didn't become a super success till you saw likes of UPI Pay Now, which kind of public digital public good came into 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 production, and they created that experience which made payment easier similarly on the dlt space and asset tokenization 
there is a need for some form of a digital public good. And then people can build on top of that use cases. So I think this, I mean, you look at internet, same thing happened. It started with the US defense uh, agency putting uh, putting it for public use and internet took its own journey and became a global infrastructure. Uh, you take, talk about GPS. Uh, if the satellites were not sent and the GPS uh, were not available for public to experiment on it, the whole set of application from Google Maps rode on that infrastructure. Uh, so I think uh, in this space, we need a digital public good. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it look like, but there could be a case for this. Chat GPT, who knows, that will become the next big digital public good on which all the whole set of AI applications will be built. How are you looking at that? I know because you're a technologist. Yeah, you must be going, oh, my God, this is coming <laughs> This is, uh, well. I know this is off topic, but I'm fascinated. No, 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 I, Raul, Raul, this is not off topic. I would say it makes sense to think in that same way. AI for long uh, was, was, was touted as game changer, but it always had a question mark how far it can go. But the chat GPT has done something interesting. It has created a public good in some form. And which means you don't have to build your own models for processing information. Imagine the, and that has created that open API on top. That's you right. can build a whole set of application. I was watching an interview with Satya Nadala. He was talking about a use case in a village in India using chat GPT for language translation. And then that, that chat GPT is giving us some kind of form instruction. You know, chat GPT came in, in US. It has gone to village in India as a use case. So you can, you can see that uh, how AI will become super, super mainstream now. I, I think we should watch out for the space. Chat GPT will trigger that, that journey. So back to our discussion, we will require some form of digital public good infrastructure use case to trigger a lot of use case in this space of DLT and tokenizers. I'm also interested in how AI is going to fit into the fintech arena overall. It feels that something, <laughs> what is security's advice anymore? By the time these models are trained in three years, you know, it's... You know, again, it's one of these things where we both say, I know it's going to be big, but I don't know yet what the hell it could be. I, I was experimenting with my own name. What what question you want to ask to Sapnendu? What question oh, is is it, is it relevant in the new world? The, the kind of response chat GPT is giving to me, I just blown away because uh, it is, it is, it is, it hats off to those, those chats. And FinTech in particular will find a huge uh, a lot of work on fintech, which is based on AI, may sound suddenly redundant uh, because I can go to chat GPT, build a question to give me financial advice free of cost. I know. And that whole industry, which was based on AI-based financial advisory, was suddenly, wow, we have a public good which can give you a response far more efficient than a closed loop advisory based on a based on a closed loop algorithm proprietary algorithm so you have chat gpt has made a shift from a proprietary algorithm closed loop access to an open access i think what is going to come on top of this 
it's just uh, I can't imagine. I mean, like, this is this is scary for a lot of people like us because <laughs> the job market. Uh, oh my goodness! Every, everything, right? I think it's a moment. I'm trying to think of what this is like. It's 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 the internet plus China coming into the WTO. Mm. It's, you know these. You know, because that changed global wages like this overnight. Yes, yes, it did. Um, this does the same. Yes, we it, need it, to it. figure out. We first thought. Don't forget, the first thing was, well, just get your kids to be musicians or artists or creatives yeah. or make code. They'll yeah. be fine. The first jobs to go, it was doing artwork. It's doing mm. music, and with the new um, GitHub code version, it writes code. You're like, okay, well, we were completely wrong. What the safest job is. And I, I, yesterday I did it. I was, I wrote a query that please write me a, a code for uh, with the UX for de demonstrating compound interest in Python, C plus plus. I took a old language, Fortran and Cobol, four languages. It's just stuck, 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 stuck for me. It wrote in in seconds. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this, 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 it shows. The impact it's going to make uh, on on the whole. I mean, what is education anymore, Sapnander? What is education? Indeed, indeed, indeed. What is it, certification? It, what is yeah. a teacher? I don't yeah. even know what a teacher is. And the definition of education: what what it means to be educated, uh, what difference that you and me uh, when we go for a job interview uh, is complete. It will change the definition. I mean, what kind of skills it will have to find new jobs? What the new jobs will look like? Now, what what it can do to let's say you're in a village in India, you're illiterate because you've not been to school, but you're, you know, you're, you're smart and everything mm -hmm. else. This gives you the same power of knowledge yes, that indeed, you indeed. get yes. being highly educated with a huge experience being in Singapore. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. the knowledge has just been kind of equalized. You yeah, can both absolutely. code the Compound <laughs> Interest app in seconds. Yeah. And uh, I mean, if you, if, I mean, this question, if I have to uh, write, if I'm, uh, Going to interview you. I go to chat GPT. I'm sure I'll ask what kind of question I'll ask Raul. And somebody growing up in a small village in India or wherever in Indonesia can go to same chat GPT. I'll get the same sort of question being laid out. Please ask this question to Raul because that's relevant to him. There's no there's no intellectual differentiation anymore left there, <laughs> other than the human emotions you know that comes with that. But beyond that, uh, it, it is exactly same. Uh, I think uh, rob robotics, which is automating mechanical work, and the algorithm, the brain-related work from ChatGPT, you combine these two things. And also, the other thing I think that's part of that stack is part that nexus is the Internet of Things. Yes. And, and this, this is where this payment rails comes in, yeah. because machines yes. are machine payments, yes. you know, the car will pay, the toll road yes. will pay, you know, all of this just happens naturally. So the IOTs comes in, It, I think it's in a way, all the component of Web 3.0 will suddenly explode uh, in terms of becoming useful. That's right, because uh, it's the transfer mechanism for yeah. all of this. And then this underlying chat GPT type infrastructure will push, and this is, I mean, uh, this came from nowhere. <laughs> it's just bang. Uh, and it, it 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 truly says that uh, technology takes its own time. Uh, AI was around for how many years now? And and, uh, and people from from uh, from those from those 
piece of uh, code you used to write in college, the expert systems code, and now you are talking about uh, all these algorithms. Now comes ChatGPT. You don't need to know all these things. The models are being built behind it. So that journey took multi decades to get here. So it also takes uh, philosophically uh, uh, the discussion to where DLT and tokenization of assets will go. It will stay in this kind of experiment, setbacks, challenges, question mark, bad product, bad behavior, bad exploiter of technology. But if it survives that that piece of journey or survives that history of, of, of ups and down, we, we will be talking perhaps in a couple of years saying this, where did this come from? Um, what's his name from Microsoft who just said the same thing? He's like, oh, you know, it's waiting for its Cambrian explosion. Yes, that yes, moment, yes. that open Cambrian, AI, yes. Yes, stability yes. AI moment, he's like, yes. hasn't yes. happened yet. Yes. We believe it's coming. It's coming. And 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 I, I have I have that definitely Chat GPT has has proven that one moment of and I back back to my argument, it is the public good component which will make the biggest transformation. You take internet, you take uh, uh, the example of uh, GPS, you take example of in the payment side, in the financial side, the role of public infrastructure like UPI, pay now, stuff like that. Uh, now you, you get into this chat GPT. So there will be this public, digital public good, which will create the necessary incentive to scale up applications into unimaginable uh, possibilities. So, uh, what a time so, to be alive, eh? What a so time to good. be alive. But Raul, I think we should thank uh, to all uh, to this to this op- good news piece of good news when technology is looking like oh we're in the bad phase. This came as a big uh, savior to this whole narrative. Has technology lost its uh, way? No, I think it is coming back in a much bigger. Yeah, because uh, as you know, the technology cycle takes a lot of investment, a lot of experimentation. Yes. And it looks terrible. It's always that yes. slope. And then it yes. does this. Nobody yeah. believes it. And before you know it, that step change happens. You're yeah. like, oh, my um, God. Amount of money, amount of failure in AI space is unaccounted, unaccounted for many ways. But you see them for decades, people have put money behind AI. And they're all kind of left. They're all kind of left with this. Oh, OK, we did. We got something. But never that wow moment. But all that effort, technology effort, business, the AI models effort, all have accumulated to create this wonderful piece of technology now, which you see as chat. I think it is it is wonderful to see uh, that uh, things uh, are history is repeating itself in proving that don't dismiss technology for its uh, immediate bad narrative. You you don't know. Yeah, technology is not the price of technology. It's not the share price. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, technology drives on relentlessly. Yeah, it it will push through, and uh, I'm 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 hoping the same happens in in this space also in the DLT space. Despite uh, all this massive, massive, massive bad behavior on the market, the participants, uh, this whole bad news. I think somehow I feel I felt that uh, entrepreneurs in this space. Uh, took where were way ahead of themselves uh, in creating a market value where foundational thinking was has not yet matured. I think I think that mismatch of 
of exuberance and optimism ran way ahead of its, its underlying philosophy, tech stack, business processes, which is driving that future impact. And when you have that, uh, market speculators take advantage of the situation and they just create a bubble of hope. And and does, and what happened uh, in 2023 is precisely that that the bubble was 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 uh, was taken to to cleaners <laughs> you know and that's a that in itself cleanses mm. bad actors yes bad uses of capital yes. concentrates the capital into the project you know this is how things get built right it's it, the creative it, destruction in a strange way i would say that the the desire to make it believable by making it centralized was cause of the failure. I mean, of course it was. Yeah, right. You know, the original construct of a decentralized where nobody has an influence on the outcome and people shifted to a centralized model saying that, trust me, <laughs> it's a cause of a failure. Yeah, because DeFi didn't fail because yeah. it's a smart contract. It's a computer program. It just does its yes. thing. Yes. It was so, the humans that failed as always. It, it, and, and the human and the, and the desire of the... Uh, to make it make it acceptable that there's a centralized infrastructure which is managing this process so that we are comfortable with that idea is the root cause of this downfall of of, of bad and and this way it allowed bad actor to participate and I, I think yeah enough has been said uh, but if I have to sum up in my head uh, the 2023 uh, uh, moment in the history uh, I think when we look back maybe three four years from now. I think you would say, I sure thanks it happened so early. It didn't take it, it didn't take uh, more money and more investments and uh, more down the line to to have that. And it's going to be fascinating in your seats to see whether you see more DeFi businesses coming Definitely. to Singapore to build because there's they build on top of this applications layer. They dovetail in yeah. with what all of yes. these things we're talking about. I think that so, is a big thing. Yeah, it will pick up. DeFi is going to pick up as long as you do not contaminate the monetary policy exactly. system. Uh, because you, I, mean, I think too many fronts were opened up at the same time. You are doing DeFi, you are trying to issue a, a currency. Uh, you know, so many things are happening at the same time. I think that uh, there's a need to, if I had in hindsight, this looks more, more through hindsight uh, thinking. I think the, the the less of indulgence should have happened on the coins, on the currency. More effort should have gone in building the infrastructure, the use cases, the comfort with this new way of doing things. And probably down, line, down the line, some form of money could have been created to experiment with this kind of infrastructure. It was all in hindsight. And I think uh, that leaves us with some stable coin story there. Because uh, uh, Singapore's uh, uh, thinking has been, uh, it is okay to look at a well-regulated stablecoin uh, as a form of money, uh, if that is required uh, for certain use case, uh, as long as it is well-regulated. I think we're still looking at uh, what policies, regulation required to make it well-regulated, but we have not... Uh, dismissed it as bad as the privately issued coin. Uh, it's still a work in progress. Uh, but I would say uh, stablecoin... When, when uh, you talk about... I just want to clarify. When you talk about the privately issued 
coins. Where are you thinking specifically? You talked about Bitcoin and you know yeah. using that as part of yeah, yeah. currency. Like we don't, we're not comfortable because it's it's separate. What else fits into that kind of bucket? So uh, maybe the other would answer the question. The other way is better. It excludes utility coin, uh, the Ethereum kind of coin. It excludes uh, stable coin. It excludes CBDCs. Uh, it excludes a token which represents asset. The rest is privately issued coin uh, in that falls, falls in that category. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so that ones how, that don't really have an applications layer yeah, on top, yeah, so they just yes. exist as they are. They are and, and, and the native so, uh, currency within a network, uh, trying to be like a money, playing the role of a money. I think that uh, is definitely a red line for almost every every jurisdiction today, uh, and. Uh, and that will remain uh, in that state for years to come. Um, so yeah, so that's 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 uh, what the market has kind of left with after this massive uh, correction. <laughs> it's it's a it's a challenge. Well, uh, it happens. I mean, we have seen in history uh, such thing happens. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've been in this space since two thousand and thirteen. This is the third third or fourth time around where we've seen it because mm. it's very nascent. Listen, as ever, a fantastic conversation, wide-ranging, lots of interesting stuff. And, you know, again, let's see where we are next year because... Uh, yeah, well, Raul, uh, just just to, to your viewers, um, I want to leave with something op optimistic uh, mm. to look forward to. Uh, I was, uh, I mean, you know, we do this uh, Singapore FinTech Festival. We are, we are never shy of picking topics which may not be any more mainstream or questioned by the mainstream. And uh, this year, we are going to examine some of this technology issues, challenges, future thinking in 2024 in three of our platform. And in, in fact, uh, in June, we are, I hope I will get you there. Uh, in Rwanda, we're going to explore uh, the impact of uh, te financial technology in truly making it inclusive for everyone in this planet. So we're looking at, looking at Rwanda as a place to deeply examine the role of fintech in financial inclusion. A week later after that, we'll be in Zurich, and that's the place, perhaps that's the last possible uh, public forum where we will bring the whole crypto discussion uh, back into a, a, a debate of how to go forward in Zurich in the Point Zero Forum. And I'm looking to build a set of topics in Zurich to really critically examine what is bad, what has gone bad, and what is the residual uh, topic left for us to pick up and move forward. That won't happen in Point Zero Forum. And back in the end of the year at the, at the, at the Singapore FinTech Festival, uh, we will re rebuild what has been, uh, what rebuild the whole narrative more like a future stack in this space. So still hope is there. Uh, 2023 will will perhaps give us that opportunity to reflect and in this three platform we will bring the public narrative back in the space that's why i love what you do you're you're always very open you're trying new stuff you speak to people you don't mind to have difficult discussions and have an open yes. and listen to people it's amazing so you know Thanks any way me. i can help you as ever just let me know and yes. uh I um, hope to have you in Singapore this time. Uh, I, you please do plan your trip uh, so that yeah, we can I've got get to. I need to get dates early and then I need to get it sorted yeah. out. Please do. Thank, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. As ever, my friend, fantastic to see you. Thank you.
You know, it's it's clear from from chatting to Sopnendu about what's just happened in 2022 was a big shock to a lot of people because, you know, people like himself have been working very hard on getting this technology adopted at various infrastructure parts of the global economy and it's stepped back. But in the end, you know, it's amazing because we see all of this and then he goes on a trip to India and he comes back with his eyes wide open saying, oh my God, it's kind of like he's rediscovered it all over again. And that AI moment that... I think is also coming too. We don't know where it's going to come from. And he's opened my eyes to that maybe this comes from government level. And I've talked a lot about how powerful these CBDCs are. And I know many people think, oh my God, this is terrible. But it might actually unlock everything. Let's see how it all goes. It's going to be fascinating to see where this plays out. And we'll catch up with him in a year's time to swap stories again.